0: Hey there, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of That's How We Roll, a bi-weekly podcast where I talk with motivating and inspiring women who are professionals, entrepreneurs, organization leaders, artists, and so much more. And leading the pack in all things fabulous is this week's guest, Jane Applegate, a writer, producer, coach, and creator Jane is a writer and producer that is all about highlighting women. She has written and produced award-winning independent films primarily written, produced, and directed by and about women. She is currently working on a hybrid feature documentary, Left Bank, which tells the untold story of four remarkable feminists who supported Irish author James Joyce. But wait, that's not all. Jane is also a teacher and an author of four books on small business success, but she is not done. Her fifth book, Hair on Fire, An Insider's Guide to Producing for the Big and Small Screen, is available on Amazon. She is also co-founder of showbizing.com, a career coaching and production consulting company she co-founded with producer Julie Crosby. So please welcome the woman's woman about town, Jane Applegate. And you know, I really want to sing Jane the song, but I better not because I don't want to get any copyright infringements. (laughs) Welcome, Jane.
1: It's great to be with you, Avis. I I miss seeing your smiling face at all the events we hung out at. Oh, I know. Soon
0: we'll be back. Soon we'll be back, yes. And it's so marvelous to chat with you, too. And I really appreciate you being here and taking the time to beguile the guests and the listeners with you being here. I'm so happy.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I love your show, so I'm, I'm very proud to be on it.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, you are among some of the busiest people that I know, and and now you have this current project, Left Bank. And I wanna, I'm so excited to learn more about it. So can you talk about it a little bit, and how did this project come about? Sure. Well,
1: it's interesting. A really good friend of mine made a short film, and it was about the American bookseller who decided to publish the Irish author James Joyce's book. He had written this book called Ulysses 100 years ago. That's still considered one of the greatest modern novels of all times. And she did a short film about how without this young American publisher, no one would know who the heck this guy is. And then she wanted to expand it into a longer film and a different project. And I was just really intrigued, not just about telling his story, but finding out that there were actually four women who were the ones that supported him in every way and that's the story we're telling in Left Bank. And the cool thing is that the actual, the Left Bank story, which is Left Bank because it's all takes place on the Left Bank of Paris, is actually going to now be the pilot for a series of stories about women behind famous men. And we feel like we should just lift lift the curtain and starting to collect stories from all over the world and want to go in there and do maybe a limited series or, or something about women that who supported these famous men, and we just don't know who they
0: are. So that's my project. That, it sounds fantastic. The Left Bank of Paris, yes. All these streaming services are about. So hopefully your project can be picked up and it can be streamed worldwide for everybody to see.
1: Yeah. Well, we're starting out with a short version because uh, I love a deadline and next year is the 100th anniversary of the publication of Ulysses, this this famous book. And I come out of deadline journalism. And so when I heard we had till February to do the short version of the film, I have an amazing all-female production team with producers in here in the States and also in France and in Ireland and uh, did a little Kickstarter campaign and we're just hustling around and and we're going to do a short film that'll premiere in February and then we'll be working on the longer versions into next year.
0: Oh, that's great. I was going to ask you about the Kickstarter program because I saw that on your social media that you did have this Kickstarter program. So it looks good. So how's that coming along? well we
1: made our goal which is Yay. great cuz with kickstarter you you've set a goal and if you don't make it you get zip zero nothing so yeah we raised $28,000 which is pretty awesome and then we've That's, got that is some- awesome Yeah, then we got some private investors, and um, we're now raising money through New York Women in Film and Television. So we have NYWIFT as a fiscal sponsor. So anyone who wants to contribute anything, they get a little tax write-off. So yeah, so this this film is all about women, being made by women. And I just still feel at this point, it's kind of sad that we have to focus on telling stories about women when we rule the world. and Most people know it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh but it's it's gonna be fun, and I get to work with my really terrific young protege a, a French director who i've I helped her set up her company ten years ago and we've done small projects, but I'm really excited I'm actually moving to France in October to work in her office full time and, and get this film made. Do you so, need um, somebody
0: to carry your paperwork? You know because I'm available. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wish. I mean, officially, I hope no one in the French government's listening because I'm I'm as an American, I'm not allowed to work without a formal work permit. So I'm really volunteering on this film back there.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but yeah. And I just feel like uh, I, I've been doing a lot of teaching. I teach at the Brooklyn College uh, Graduate Film School and doing a lot of mentoring and consulting. And I always said, that's it. Never going back on a film set. But this film really just kind of lit my lit my fuse and got me going again. So your heart
0: spoke, it was something that really spoke to you.
1: Right, exactly. It's definitely a passion project. We're all literally working on spec and, and spirit. We're just, no one's being paid, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. But we will be, we will, you know, be compensating people once we raise a little bit more money. Sure, sure. Yeah. But you just can't, you know, when people say, oh, I need a million dollars or I have to get this or that, and they just get stuck. And I always encourage people just use what you have. You'll have everything you need, just it's right in front of you.
0: I didn't mention it, but you did. I wanted to say that Jane is also an active member of NYWIFT, as am I. And that's how I met Jane, just being so involved. And I wanted to congratulate you. You said it already, but I wanted to congratulate you for for them being your fiscal sponsor for this project.
1: Yes, they're great. I know a lot of board members and I've taught a lot of seminars and and I'm also involved in a, in a spinoff kind of of Niwif called the Women Independent Producers. So that's another wonderful group that I am have been serving on the board, but I'm going to step down from the board while I'm working on the film. But that's another collaboration of about 150 women around the world. And that's what we are,
0: independent
1: producers.
0: That's great. And so can you t- talk about that a little more, just about what this group does?
1: Well, the, the cool thing is we have a website, and it's womenindependentproducers.org, just one long word, and it's kind of a directory. You'll see thumbnail little thumbnail sketches of a portrait and a little blurb on what everybody's doing and looking for, and so filmmakers can send a, a message through the WIP website And say they are looking for a producer and give a little overview of their film. So we're kind of like a matchmaking service. We try to match directors and writers with producers. Because without a producer, you don't have a film. (laughs) So that's the main purpose and then once a month we used to do this in person but once a month now we meeting on we meet online and it's really a support group it's like a safe space where you can say you know i need a gaffer i need a sound person so we share resources and then we do a lot of venting which i think every <laughs> everybody in this business needs to vent so it's it's just very it's a safe space and we sometimes have guests come in and it's just great it's it's a wonderful organization and we actually just got a, a fiscal sponsorship. And so the, the group's growing and there'll be more more on that in the fall. But yeah, I think, I think I find that, you know, all the working professional women I know are very generous. You know, if, if I need something, you know, I can call you. It's just I feel like why not? Why not share information and support each other? It's really important. It's always helped my career. So I'm really trying to pay it forward.
0: Yeah, I can see that with all the different things you have your business and your business is to try to get people involved or to teach people how to produce, how to go about and get funding and that kind of any kind of money for their project. It is all about always raising money because most of us, a lot of us in this industry we have regular jobs because you have to sometimes you just you, you can't afford to not work in order to rent spaces if you need to shoot a project. I mean I, I see that all the time with different people when they're when they want to make movies. They have to have a regular 9 to 5 job just to just to do the basics. So it is good when when there are organizations or or a way to to get money to help fund your passion project because that's basically what a lot of people are doing. That they, they want to they they are trying to fund their passion project so that the next stage that they go through they will be able to get money because sometimes you have to have a project or you have to have some kind of have made some kind of headway in order to get money on the next project after that and so on and so forth.
1: Right, right. And I think, you know, the other thing is I teach one of the few business classes in any film school in America, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I teach a class I developed called the Business of Film. And it's just remarkable that people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars going to film school, especially the fancy ones, not like Brooklyn College, which is the most diverse and affordable film school in the country, I must say. But, you know, I teach just how to put the company together. You know, how, how do you how do you hire a lawyer? Why do you need an accountant? And it's just kind of shocking that so many filmmakers have no clue that you know they, they know how to write or they know how to shoot or edit but they have no idea that you need a separate bank account, for instance, and you need a bookkeeping program and you've got to have a tax ID number. And so I feel really good about this class I put together. And then I do a lot of workshops and seminars. And and Julie and I have a really fun thing. If, if you go to showbizing.com, you can sign up for a free 20 minute chat with us. It's kind of like the doctor is in, you know, we get people from all over the world. They get 20 minutes on Zoom and they have to tell us their story what they need to get unstuck and then we just toss out ideas so that's that's a really great free resource
0: for people and sometimes that 20 minutes turns into your business it turns into a client correct
1: right so we have classes that we offer that are very affordable like short term like a crash course and we have one called focus your lens which just helps you get unstuck when you're kind of in the middle of your career and you're like what and obviously the past year and a half with the pandemic has been really tough on creatives it's we all i mean my school laid off people my husband lost his job i mean it's it's it was crazy but i feel like right now things are really moving and i'm sure you find this too it feels like the earth is spinning again Mm -hmm. and you know people are busy it's hard to book a crew it's hard to find a location it's kind of exciting even with the covid restrictions that for instance, the Screen Actors Guild I was told won't won't let up on their crazy COVID restrictions until next spring. So you know it's costing a lot more money with all the safety protocols. But producers are like, okay, we're going to put that money in the budget and we're going to get people back to work.
0: It's not just SAG-AFTRA. This is the entire. This is IATSE. This is all the the film crew that that are working. We all got together. And came up with these protocols to present to the producers because if everybody is sick and if you're having people at, at that time, there was no vaccine, and so people were dying. So the last thing you wanted to do is be responsible for half of your people being in the hospital, some of them never to get out of the hospital. Right. Sure. So, right. so in all fairness, it wasn't just SAG-AFTRA. It, this was all the organizations that, and I, I do applaud them. I understand from a producer standpoint, but you know, now we got back to work. So they are, people are working slowly, but surely. And, and I really you know, the pandemic isn't over. People are vaccinated, and they are acting freer. But, you know, people are still getting sick, and they're still spreading the virus. The vaccinated people won't end up being in the hospital. But the work is still going on. So I, I am glad about that.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and I'm I'm certainly not objecting to the safety protocols. I'm just saying that it adds about thirty percent to your budget, so it's you have to be be uh, just aware of that. And and but this Julie, my collaborator, is is working on a film and which will be shot in the fall. And one way they're figuring out how to have a super safe set is they're renting a motel where half of it will be used to actually shoot the film and then the other half will be used for housing so they're going to create their a pod you know with with the crew and then also keep everyone separate and no so you have to be really creative as a producer to work around these these things and of course nobody wants to get sick but i mean if you think about these giant productions have been shut down with one case so it's imagine a small low budget production you have to be super careful
0: but you know, that, that's really a smart thing to do in a situation. Just like you said, it, they, they booked a hotel and they used it as a pod. I'll call it like a little, um, I guess, like a, a colony, like you're living in a, in a space for a while, because you, you never know when someone, who somebody's going to come in contact with when they leave the set. And you know, right. one of the productions that I was working on had car services because they didn't want people to be on the subway being in contact with a lot of people during rush hour, even non-rush hour, to be exposed to stuff and then bring it to the set. And still, the set was shut down. Uh, several sets were shut down because someone tested positive, which could have been a false positive or a false negative. Just because somebody tested negative doesn't mean that they actually were. They just, it just showed that it was negative. So I did feel, and I, I think I've said this before on this podcast, that I felt that being on film sets were the safest place because they were they no one had to go out of their way to get tested. You know, you had to be tested 3 to uh, 48 hours before the first day or before your fitting and then you were tested every day that you showed up on the set. So I did feel that it was uh, a safe place because my friends that are working in other industries sometimes they never got tested and then they went to work every day. So you never know who you came in contact with. At least we knew that somebody, that everybody was tested and it was easier for contact tracing because the, the production knew.
1: Right, right. Yeah, no, it's, I think the entertainment industry has done a really good job. Um, so, yeah, it's just I feel like there's a lot of pent-up demand. I mean, one, one positive thing that came up Came out of the pandemic is that a lot of really top decision makers, you know, at the networks, at the streamers, and the studios, they were very available. And so if you were in development on projects, you actually could get a Zoom meeting with people who, in normal times, you would never get some, you know, face to face time with. So a lot of projects that um, some of my friends and colleagues have worked on have, have been greenlit in the past few months because they, they learned how to pitch on Zoom,
0: right? Which is,
1: which is tough because, you know, I teach a lot of pitching workshops and in my classes and, the, and, I, and, you know, as an actress, you know, you kind of want to audition and read the room, get a vibe. And it's very hard when you're staring at a
0: box. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But one good thing is that people weren't looking at their phones. You know, that's the worst mm-hmm. when you go to a meeting. I mean, I actually have a firm policy. If I'm with you in a Human to human and you, you know, it's fine if you look at your phone and it's like your kid who's stranded or, you know, something happened at school. But if I'm having a meeting with someone and they take a call or they're texting. I just am very quiet. And I said, you know, I say, I, am I, this is not, you know, this is not working for me. And if you're not going to be present, and, and we're not having a conversation, then I'm going to just wrap this up. And you would not believe how many people look at me like I'm crazy. I know. <laughs> and then I just, get, I just say, we, you know, maybe we'll reschedule or I said, but this is this is really, you know, kind of rude. And I'm fine with, you know, and then I'm like, if they're if those other calls are more important than sitting here with me, that's fine. But I'm not going to sit here while you're on the phone or texting six
0: people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially if you haven't said, you know, listen, there's a problem with my kids. So I'll just let you know, I need to look at my phone because I need to track them. But some people are just talking about their dinner plans for the evening or something like that. You know, I, I've worked events where people will come up and they're actually talking on the phone. But you need to talk to them like they're trying to register for (laughs) something. And I'm like, can you just step to the side? Let me take the next person until you finish your phone call. You'd be surprised at how quickly they get off the phone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I think it's important to be respectful. I mean. You know, everybody's time is precious and um, it's just, I don't know. I just, I learned a lot of, about dealing with people when I was a working reporter. I mean, my job was listening, really not asking questions. And so I've, I'm, I learned, you know, how to be respectful and listen and don't interrupt people. And, and then you just find people that are just like, have absolutely no social skills. And, and I think, I don't want to be with this person. I'm I'm done. <laughs> I also I have one other tip that my little beef of the week is that I, I went, I did a, a very unsatisfying week of uh, trying to attend the Cannes film festival online, which was a, just kind of a disaster. The platform didn't work and nothing was working for me, but I got a contact from a film distributor and he said, you know, let's set up a phone call after the festival or between things. And we set up a call and he starts talking about what, how, disastrous documentaries are and that they're you know nobody wants them and it's really he just was like super negative and i said excuse me i said did you actually look at my website or look at who you're speaking look at look up anything about me and he said no i've been too busy oh. <laughs> and i said excuse me i'm ending this conversation i said this is incredibly disrespectful i said who would agree to go to a meeting or get on a phone call or a Zoom with somebody when you know nothing about what they're doing.
0: How can you That's even crazy. talk to them about that? What What are you right. even discussing?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was so furious. And I just sort of, I said, you're telling me that the documentary market is terrible when I know it's not because I, I consult on the doc, you know, distributing documentaries, <laughs> and I'm making one. And he was just like, oh, well, sorry, I've been too busy to look anything up about you or your
0: project. Uh, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my goodness, that is hilarious, though. Yes, but that is so (laughs) funny. Oh, I just can't be bothered talking to you, Jane. He set up the call. That's the
1: worst part. He he sought me out on the networking platform. Anyway, I've told that story to a few people. I'm just like, this was really upsetting. And then we also decided that I don't think a woman would ever do that. Mm-mm. If you were gonna wanted to have a phone call with someone, don't you think you'd spend four minutes looking them up and visiting their website? Something.
0: I or mean, why Googling would you, them? why would you even set up the call? But maybe his people set up the call. I mean, who knows?
1: I don't know. Anyway, so that's one of my big gripes of the of the <laughs> month is that just but you know, it's so easy to find out information and to you know, engage with someone and something personal and, and I learned this, you know, when I was a cub reporter and I was like a deer in headlights going to talk to big corporate executives and the first one of the most big corporate person the first one I ever really had to go interview I was terrified I was like I you know I'd done all my research I had a little, my little folder and I walked in this guy's office and we sat down and you know they offered me a cold drink and he's the first thing he said is you know it's lovely to meet you I know you're a new reporter at the LA Times and you know and you're gonna be writing about my company he said but first I want to ask you has your daughter Jeannie won any uh, horseback riding ribbons lately and I was just like what how does this man know about my daughter's writing passion recently had a, yes and this was pre-internet basically <laughs> he had a whole team of people they had a he had a folder on me and he was so gracious and and wanted to talk about my family and what brought me to the city and And I'll never forget that. And from that moment on, I thought I'm never walking into a meeting or setting up a phone call unless I know something good about that person.
0: I know. Take the time. You know, it's so bizarre because I use LinkedIn a lot and there are people that find me and and, and I don't mind connecting with them. I mean, that's not the, the problem, but they just don't read the profile. So they're asking me questions about their services, about, you know, setting up a, a, a meeting time with them to set up to talk about this service that me as, a, as an actor or an independent contractor that I would actually, that I actually have no use for people will just connect and they have no idea what they're con- who, who or what they're connecting to. So <laughs> mm-hmm, I'm just surprised right. at how especially with the internet nowadays, how people just just assume that everybody that's on LinkedIn does the same thing and they need whatever they have, but in in actuality <laughs> you don't.
1: Right, right. And and I'm glad you brought up LinkedIn cuz that's a huge part of the uh career coaching that we do with our clients it used to be very businesslike and a lot of entertainment professionals were just like, no, I don't need a LinkedIn profile. But, but Julie, who's the LinkedIn guru on our little company, she has shown how important it is and what great connections you can make if you have a really great profile. So we do a lot with um, clients tell, you know, going through everything and just saying, you know, make sure you tell people the skills you have and don't just brag on yourself. And, um, you know, that, that, that rectangle that's behind your picture on the top of the page, you Mm -hmm. know, use that, use use that real estate, do something cool. And you can do a free banner. You can go on Adobe spark and make a really cool banner that just fits in that LinkedIn template and, you know, update it and then get recommendations. I mean, it takes a few minutes a week, but um, I was such a, negative Nelly about LinkedIn until she <laughs> until she really kicked me and said, your profile is terrible. Until <laughs> so she
0: schooled she, you. She took you to yeah, class.
1: <laughs> yes. And so I, I had to, you know, practice what we preach. And I built up my and my network has increased by about 700 people in yeah. the past year. And it's, you know, strategic. And I know we connected on LinkedIn. So, right. I mean, we know each other. Right. But that's how you reached out to me. And it's really just great. And I just got to somebody I really need to get to, to, to pitch something about my film on LinkedIn. I just, you know, went through went to the organization, found the press person and said, you know, here's my story. How do, who do I speak to at your at your organization? And she sent me the email. And it was because it was professional and I she probably looked me up and thought I wasn't a nut and she'd give me the info.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it LinkedIn really is a good resource for people in this industry for the entertainment uh, professionals. Because Because in so many cases, like in between my acting gigs, like I've done, you know, business work, I've worked in offices, I've done events. And companies like creatives because they look at things a little differently. And and I've actually gotten more work because they, they want somebody part time, but they want somebody that will pick up things fast and be able to help them. And, and I guess, you know, it's like the left brain, the right brain or whatever, that, that personality type. So for, for actors, for the most part, we will just go in and do whatever it is that we have to do. And then we, we, will, we will improv it. You know, you don't call it that in the business world, but that's basically what it is. You know, <laughs> right, you, you right. improv it. And they like that. So LinkedIn is mm-hmm. really great for that because people are looking for part-time people. And a positive thing that happened during the pandemic is that people realize that, hey, you, I, I don't have to go to work every day to do my job. I don't have to be sitting in an office. And I think people worked smarter and harder probably because they were able to be at home. You know, they had to be at home with their children at the in the height of the pandemic. I've seen so many more jobs where they are hiring people in other states across the country.
1: Mm-hmm. And they are saying
0: right. it is a virtual job.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's true. The virtual work and I don't know, I think I was disappointed that my classes all moved online, but I have to tell you the the one benefit was I could book speakers every week who would never make the time to schlep to Brooklyn and Mm -hmm. and go to my school, actually physically go to the campus, even though it's fabulous. We're in the middle of the Steiner Studio in, in Brooklyn. But so it actually improved the quality of the guest speakers for my class because I had people coming in from, you know, L.A., San Francisco, you know, all over New York, different places. And it was very easy for me to say, you know, can you give me an hour? And we also pay an honorarium, which is unusual. The private schools pay nothing. I've spoken at NYU and the new school. They didn't even give me a Metro card. (laughs) (laughs) But Brooklyn College Graduate School, Fierstein School, we pay speakers. And so anyway, it was like pretty great. And I said, can we still pay them virtually? And the dean said, of course, yeah, they're giving a time and and it just helped all my students network. And that's the other thing that we really focus on with the whole showbiz thing is that you're only as good as the people that you know. And so we, we, we force our clients to really focus in on making a list, a literal list of 25 people who can are all different you know categories you know the cheerleaders that you call when you're feeling terrible and something fell through then all the professionals you need the lawyer the accountant an agent a manager and and it takes a lot of work but when people finish this list they're just like whoa you know these are real people and this is how i'm going to map out a strategy for success because you know this is a who you know business Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so important we also make a section for like real reach, you know, like us, like an aspirational list, and people will say, well, you know, I I would love to. Someday you present something to, you know, like Ava, Ava DuVernay's company. And then we're like, okay, you put her on your list and you'll be surprised that you actually know somebody who knows somebody who can get you to her people. You know, so it's, it's not that difficult. It's not that big of an industry that you can't figure it out. And we also, you know, use IMDb Pro a lot, which is another tip I would say. If you, you know, spring for the money and you can get contact information for everybody in right. the entertainment world.
0: What is one thing that you wish that you would have known before you began your career that you could share? Well,
1: that's a good question because I, I did not go to film school. I did not take a straight trajectory. I, I came sideways into producing from uh being a journalist and writing books and having to learn how to speak. I was terrified of speaking in public, so I, I got a speaking coach. And, you know, I really had to go from being kind of a... It's people who know we can't believe I was, like, not a, a outward-facing person. <laughs> I was pretty shy, and I just didn't want to be up on a stage. But I think what I wish I had known was how, really, to have built my network sooner. I mean, I just was kind of naive about, you know, I'd be like, well, you know, I went out to be on that show or produce that. And then I realized I just wasn't really connecting with the right people. And also I when I got to New York, it was, you know, later in my career, and so many people had already gone to film school or gone to business school. So I I kind of wish I'd been more aware of what we're teaching now, which is to, you know, it's all about the people. And I think it's never too late to expand your network and always offer to do something before you ask somebody for something. That's a real important thing because, you know, nobody wants to be called up and and I'm going to ask you a favor and you're like, I don't even know you. Yeah. <laughs> like what yeah. do you th- We're very big on, you know, offer, 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 and then you can ask somebody for something.
0: What advice would you give to someone? I know you have your company, but is there any advice just say to a newbie before they realize, hey, I need showbizing.com. What advice would you give someone trying to to pursue a career in producing or independent filmmaking, documentary filmmaking?
1: Well, I would say get on as many projects as you can as a volunteer. I mean, everybody can use an extra pair of hands, you know, a PA, you know, bake cookies, work in craft services. I mean, I was an executive at a big documentary production company, but I wanted to make films. So I I just, people were like, why would you give up this six-figure job to, you know, like, give out meal money and and cut up carrots, you know, (laughs) I think, I think you have to be humble, you know? So I think, I think, so I just said, I will work on any film, anybody's film, anyone who will have me. And I think that, and I tell that to people who are sort of mid career or newbies, just get out there and, and volunteer, you know, even if it's two days on a super low budget set and, and always be, you know, on time, professional, respectful, just, Know what the rules are. I mean, I try to explain that it's a very military setup on a set. You get a PA that'll be like, well, I'm going to go say hi to the director. And you're sort of like, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just know the, you know, know the protocol. Be humble. Really, I was literally serving carrots on Madison Avenue with a bandana around my head and running around. And one of my former colleagues at this big company said, what the heck are you doing? They <laughs> could not believe it, and I said, "Well, this is how you cross the cross the line and get into independent right, filmmaking. Exactly, you're like, listen,
0: yeah. I'm. This is my inroad. I am on my right. way. I have a path, and if I need to do this job to do this, that's what I'm going to do.
1: Right, right.
0: And like I, was said, Be metro, yeah, I was paid with a Metro.
1: Yeah, it was paid with a Metro card, and I actually got to shadow a very well known producer who soon promoted me to you know i was eventually a unit production manager and a line producer because production is production i mean this is the fun the funny part in the past everyone in film was like we're never going to do television and now you know everybody wants to do streaming and television Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so but the actual job skills are exactly the same as a producer, everything I do is the same whether I was getting paid, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a project or or ten dollars
0: or just a Metro cool. card.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I know. And I was very one the best job I had, and this is I don't think this happens as much anymore, but if um, you used to be able to give people um walk away meal money, you know, and and I was the money giver, and it was great. I got to had a clipboard, I knew everybody, every department, every crew member. And I was popular because if you wanted to eat lunch, you had to go see me.
0: And everybody (laughs) wanted to make sure that they got their money.
1: Exactly. And now it's not done. I don't think mostly things are catered or whatever with COVID. It's like you get it in a bag by yourself. Right.
0: Well, (laughs) well, even when they do meal money, even before COVID, if you're in a place like when you shoot in Manhattan, they give it to you as part of your check sometimes. Oh, I see.
1: Right. Per diem. But yeah, when I started, you could still get a pretty great lunch for $10 in Manhattan. (laughs) Now I don't think that would
0: happen. What motivates you and what keeps you motivated?
1: Well, I just think that, you know, I've always been a storyteller. I've been writing since I was 10 or 11. So I just think, you know, there's always good stories to tell. And I loved my reporting career. I loved meeting new people, telling their stories. So it's kind of fun now to be in a position to pick and choose the stories I tell. And all the films I've made have had female stories and female, mostly the crew and the cast. And I don't know, it's just something I made a commitment to do. I I have to say I have worked with uh, some first-time directors both male and female and those were always you know challenging <laughs> if you don't know what mm-hmm. you're doing it was a lot of a lot of stress and anxiety but i've never not not finished a shoot i'm very proud to say that i've had people quitting and fleeing and you know crashing into things and i'm just i'm always there from beginning to end <laughs> but i think you know this this series we're working on now this left bank project i feel like there's so many cool stories about women that have not been told. So while I have any more energy, I'm deciding to um, to tell these. And also, I love the idea of it kind of being global. We have stories in, in England and Ireland and Asia, and we're just starting to collect stories about women in history that were behind famous men that you, you just wouldn't even know they were. You wouldn't know the men if you weren't if you weren't aware of the women behind them. So it's kind of a cool idea and it's getting, you know, some interest and we're pitching and producing a sizzle reel and yeah, we're very excited about, you know, people seem curious.
0: Yeah, I'm excited yeah. about it. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you have any words of wisdom that you can leave with us today?
1: I think just be kind, be honest, figure out what you can do to help somebody along. I do a lot of mentoring, a lot of coaching. As I say, we have these free sessions, which are great. You just go to showbizing.com and you click on, give me a free consultation. Because we just, we're always learning. And I think, you know, being generous and, and honest and really try not to trash talk people. It's such a small business, you know, we all know each other. And when I hear somebody saying something not nice about somebody that maybe you and I know I'm just like that that's wrong you know that's mm-hmm. like a very bad thing and it will it will give you some bad karma so I you know I so I think just being honest and generous and it, it can't hurt I mean when people ask me for something if I can help them I will and if I can't I'll, I'll be like you know what I don't have the answer to that but I know somebody who does and I just kind of keep spreading the spreading the good karma.
0: Well, that's why I think that that's one of the reasons that you have the success that you have because you are giving and you are very women focused and you know it says it in your projects so I I just wish you the best of luck. Congratulations on this on this project on the on the Kickstarter program and all the great things that you're doing. And I just can't wait for it. I'm gonna get pom poms. I don't need pom poms. I'm just, you just know Jane how much how much I admire you and just love and adore you. So I'm I'm so well, thank thankful. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, Devin,
1: you will be at the New York premiere of my film, Avis. Don't Ooh. worry about that. And then also, if people want to get a very fun read that's also practical is my book hair on fire and it's on amazon it's a click away it's, it's just it's a practical guide to producing but the best part is there's interviews with 15 different industry professionals from a stunt director you know to a makeup artist so it's a real fast read and i and if you want to read more about my adventures and show business it's a fun book to pick up
0: oh well yes it is the other four books what are the other four books about
1: They're all on small business because I was the small business columnist at the LA Times. So they're all about entrepreneurs and their secrets of success. Some of them are still out there. I have one called 201 Great Ideas for Your Small Business. And that was the most fun job I had for about 10 years. I just interviewed successful entrepreneurs all around the world and got to travel and meet people. And, And I just felt like I was the conduit you know i wasn't giving the advice but you know like you were giving the advice and i would write something fun and share it yeah just just there's a lot of good free information out there and just remember before you meet with anyone look them up yes (laughs) don't don't be like that dope who called me and didn't know what i was doing or who i was (laughs) it's been wonderful talking with you thank
0: you I'm going to have everything about Jane in the show notes and all the links. So if you want to contribute or just want to connect with her, tell everybody how they can support Left Bank.
1: Well, the best and simplest way is to go to the NYWIFT.org site. And uh, when you go through the list of films that NYWIFT is fiscally sponsoring, you will find Left Bank. And that's the easiest way to make a tax deductible donation and then NYWIS benefits and the film
0: gets more money to keep going. And please make sure that you like and share the podcast. Please support the film. And I cannot wait for this to to come to fruition. Terrific. Thank you. Jane, I just want to say one more time, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on everything that you're doing. Much, much success and blessings on everything that you are even thinking about doing. And I thank you so much for being here.
1: Okay, wonderful. And I hope to see you
0: in person real soon. I hope so too. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, checking out the podcast. Thank you for inviting me into your space. And until next time, I hope you will continue to thrive, grow, and be kind to yourselves and be kind to others.